So tell me about, like, I know so many people, even my staff at Response Electricians, like, yeah. they really struggle with what you did at that time is just to, you know, tell someone that they need to spend their own money on yeah. something. Yeah. You know, even if it's a lot of value, like, how did you develop that skill over time? Because I think that's really important for anyone that's, yeah. you know, because if you've got something to give and it's of value. Yeah. I was so shit at this, man. Like, uh, I'd work with people and they'd pay me whatever it was per month. And I'd do the work and I wouldn't send the invoice because I was scared of asking for the money. And then I'd do the work again next month and I wouldn't. So three or four months would bank up and then my wife would be like, babe, we need to, you know, where's the money? Yeah. So I finally, like when it hit like about to, about to explode point on the wife front, I'd send the invoices. And then these clients who'd love the work were happy to pay for it would go, I can't do four months worth of payments. If you had to just send it month after month, it would have been, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I was just so fucking awkward about this thing. And then, so... Welcome to the Greg Allen Podcast. Thanks for joining us where we talk about life. I truly believe that everyone has a story to tell and a lesson to teach. And that's what this show is all about. So if you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave us a review. It helps us connect, inspire and help more people like you. And I just want to do a big shout out to you for taking the time to grow and improve. So good on you. Keep doing what you're doing and good luck in life. Half an hour with Taki Moore. We're live. Ish. Perfect. Hey. <laughs> how, how you going? Dude, I'm great. Yeah. Time to hang out and yeah. um, be back in the studio. Yeah. Thanks for being the first guest in live in the studio. Dude, I think I, I feel like I broke the ice the other day when I needed some office space and borrowed it for a webinar. Yeah. So no, good. totally. I feel at home. Yeah. Um, Frankie, my wife, she was like, you know, Taki can have it. He can have the first, first turn, okay. even though she wanted to. Dude, well, I'll be first guy. She could be first lady. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> how you going, man? You've been good? Yeah. How's been, your year been? Year's been amazing. Uh, a couple of weeks up here's been a really good chill. Uh, we've been working bloody hard since Corona, like late March. We ran a, an event in Melbourne uh, just as it was sort of, frankly, I didn't know if it was going to be a thing or not. And then two weeks later, we're supposed to run an event in LA. You know, our American clients and UK clients come there. And then Trump shut the borders to Europe. Tom Hanks got coronavirus, which we took way more seriously. Like, shit, if Tom Hanks is going to get this. Yeah, disease, everyone a, can get it. Everyone can get it. Like, the, the <laughs> guy's a national treasure. Um, so we, you know, we made a decision on Friday to turn our LA event to online. We had four days to build a whole new workshop. Wow. Yeah. It, and like, dude, we crushed it. It was like, teaching stuff on the internet is super easy. We do that for a living. But like, all of the content now wasn't relevant. Well, it wasn't as relevant. Yeah, because you had to... Because we had to change. change everything. And then the other part was like, part of the magic of getting people together for conferences, like hallways and lunchtimes and dinners and all of the not teach stuff. So we, we spent like most of the four days, honestly, just trying to figure out how to do that bit well. Yeah. It turned out to be amazing. And then we've basically been doing like double time with clients for three or four months. So, so with the events, I know what you're saying. Like it's usually hanging out at the bars or the, you know, going right. to breakfast together and you're sort of meeting people and you're hanging out. So yeah. how do you mimic that online? I don't know that we've nailed it. I think we probably, I'd give us like a seven and a half, maybe an eight. Um, so Zoom breakouts is probably the technology that does it, but giving the thing room to breathe. Um, so running breakouts where we've just mixed people together, like we had some random breakouts where, um, yeah, where people who were brand new could mix with somebody who was like super experienced, someone who's like just getting started, could meet someone who's, you know, doing $10 million a year. 
uh, as well as breakouts for people who are kind of a bit more alike. Um, workouts, yoga, online, that was oh, super right. fun. Yeah, yeah I got it. Right. Part no, of your program. Yeah, part of the program. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we um, brought on a guy who was an ex-drug dealer in New York, uh, got arrested when he's quite young and kind of overweight, went into jail, lost a ton of weight doing like bodyweight workouts in his, in his cell, came out and he's set up a gym called Con Body for Convict Body. And uh, it's basically bodyweight workouts in a, in a cell. You get like a two minute cold shower. It's like, it's cool, super intense. <laughs> so I pinged him, I'm like, dude, I know this is like not even a patch on what you went through, but we all like stuck at home, feels a bit like jail. Can you do a workout? And he's like, sure. So clients are like, can I bring my kids in? And stupidly I said, yes. <laughs> So then they've got this guy yelling, 10 more burpees, motherfuckers. And the kids are like, huh? And the parents are like, block your ears, kids. Block your ears, kids. Anyway, so the, that, was, that was super awesome. We had a, um, we, like a, often we'll do like a house party after an event, get a bunch of people over and, and cook and music and fun. And had a, uh, one of our clients, Jason, arranged a friend to like play live music. And it was amazing. Yeah, how good's that? Yeah, at the end, somebody said um, like, because I'd never done virtual before. We had like 160 at one of the events. And I was like, so how, you know, what's this like? Client goes, uh, like out of 160, 159 said better. Really? I was like, what? I can sleep in my own bed. Sleep in my own <laughs> bed, yeah. Like finish, man, go to your own toilet, finish it. <laughs> you know, like we were doing early sessions, 4 a.m. till 10. Not That's not normal, but we did for this particular one because it was a US event. We wanted yeah. to keep the times right. Yeah. But like be, being done at, Having finished like a whole day's work at 10 a.m., go for a walk down the beach, go to your own coffee shop. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How good's that? Yeah, it was. Super great. I was talking to one guy a couple of weeks ago and he was doing, uh, he's talking about campfires through Zoom as well. Yeah. And it's like a fire on there and you sit around, you do the campfire. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And people have instruments and you're just catching up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I was waiting out the front and because we're in Byron, somebody's got their, their drums going. Yeah. And I figured uh, you're like that sort of thing would be kind of cool. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. So tell me about you, like how'd you get, you know, what, where'd you go to school? Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Melbourne. Uh, dad's, uh, mum and dad split up when I was two. Dad's in Sydney, mum's in Melbourne. Uh, grew up in a little neighbourhood called North Carlton, kind of near the city, near the Carlton football ground. Yeah. So everybody in my life goes for Carlton, except for me and my older brother who are Essendon fans just to be rebellious. <laughs> totally. Uh, great part of the world. Um, so I grew up there, went to school at Princess Hill High. Good little school. Yeah. Uh, heaps of friends. How did you go at school? Did you find it challenging? Or you were good at school, well behaved? I found, I found school pretty easy, to be honest. Uh, I put in 51% effort and get 80% marks and I was fine with that. Wow. I, I was never like a star student, but I never tried. For me, school was mostly social and fun. Yeah. Um, I certainly wasn't a troubling, like a troublemaker kid, but I wasn't top of my class I was just I just did enough to to do well enough yeah yeah didn't didn't do well enough to get into the uni course I wanted I went to I went to Brazil for a year after high school chasing the girl of my dreams uh, she dumped me two weeks later <laughs> just like okay maybe she's not the girl of my dreams <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why she's the girl of your dreams yeah who knows man. yeah um, toughed it out st like stayed in I had some distant rellos there so I spent a year in Brazil one of the best years of my life yeah what was that? Just great people, community, yeah. uh, like poor as, just people cared about each other. What'd you learn in Brazil? I learned- um, Apart I learned, from like one census of Brazilian that you talk about? 
Well, no, I'm pretty fluent now. Oh, right. Yeah. I uh, lived there for a year, so I could get by. Although I was there, we were there like a year ago, and you know, you just lose the fluency. Mm. So I, instead of asking somebody to charge my phone, I asked them to shit my phone, because there's one <laughs> R difference between charge and shit, apparently. <laughs> um, what did I learn? I think I just learned that... I think I just learned that connection in people's lives are more important than any of the stuff. So we run a great business now. We make a, a ton of money. But like, dude, eventually, like I don't even wear shoes half the time. You know, how many shoes do you really need? People people are what make life juicy, I reckon. Yeah. How do you make better connection with people? You seem to be a very positive person and easy to connect with other people. Like what's your, what, like how did you develop that skill, uh, do you think? I don't know how I did it. I know that because mum and dad separated when I was really little, I lived with mum and every school holidays I'd fly up to Sydney to be with dad and literally I noticed myself on the plane changing because they're very different. Like mum's a lot like Oh, me. to adapt to be ready Correct. for mum or dad? Yeah. yeah. So I'd fly up towards dad and by the time I landed, I was quiet and I like classical music, <laughs> which is so, so totally not me and appreciate art. Um, and then I'd fly and I'd like, I could keep it up for a few days before I wanted to stab my stepmom in the head with a fork. She's actually coming here to Byron now, so we don't, there's no forks. They've all been confiscated. Yeah, we have spoons for now. Yeah, we got spoons for today. Um, but I think like doing that, it gave me this skill of like being able to fit in pretty much anywhere and like become friends with that person or that person. Like a chameleon. A bit like a chameleon. Yeah. Yeah, a bit yeah. like a chameleon. Uh, and one of my favorite things to do is to meet new people and become friends. Uh, so I get like, there's a couple of times in the last couple of years traveling where we've just met someone and I felt this like quite weird, instant best friend, almost love. Uh, yeah, kind of creepy, like not creepy, kind of weird actually. Both, yeah. uh, two, like I can think of two specific times at coffee shops, like when we landed in a new, in a new city, um, three first searches. So there's always, there's an app called Bean Hunter finds you the best coffee in the yeah, yeah, world. Yeah, for sure. I so, use that. Um, Bean Hunter, uh, then Instagram, I'll just click Barbershop Lennox or, you know, wherever we are. Yeah. Obviously Lennox is a little bit limited barbershop wise, but you know, Barbershop Sydney or whatever, Barbershop Tokyo. So I'll find the, the best haircut. Yeah. And then usually Australian cafe, name of town to find a good breakfast. Uh, but you just find, I don't know, in each of those places, I find it really easy to become this is going to sound weird, but my, I've got this kind of weird goal of becoming every business's like best customer and most annoying customer at the same time. Like best customer because we become instant good friends and I spend a ton of money there. And also because of that, I feel like I can order stuff that's not on the menu. Like we've been in Lennox for five days or six days. Three days ago, like this is like day three at a shop. I walk in and the guy goes, Taki, good to have you back. I'm like, that's how you know you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's your goal when you get yeah. to a new town. Awesome. Yeah. So what's like, how do you, what's the initial stages when you meet someone, how you can figure out who to become to, to get along who to become. I, no, like, I think now I'm much more comfortable in my own skin and I'm yeah. just me. Uh, but it's mostly just cheeky and interested. Yeah. That's kind of how it works. So it's just making a connection, compliment, having a conversation about the coffee or the whatever's local. And just like, sometimes it's just asking for, Asking for help, like where do I go to find the best breakfast? And the guy will go down here and down here and down, and then you can come back and thank them and thank them. Yeah. And the next thing you know, that you've got a thing. So like you've respected their point their of opinion, view and, and they opinion. were right. Yeah. 
uh, or they were wrong. Yeah. And that could be great too. Like the, the dude who runs the gelati shop in Lennox also makes pretty good coffee. I'm like, so where do I go to get the good food? He goes, here, here, and here. And I said, so where else has got good coffee? And he gave me the name of this place. And I went back and I'm like, hey man, I really love you, but the coffee there was really shit. <laughs> coffee there was way better. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, anyway. Tell that to people from Tell now on. Tell that to people from now on. <laughs> yeah, cool. I think it's just like being human. Man, yeah. That sounds really dumb, but. Yeah, for sure. So what drives you now? Like now that you've got the business that you do. Yeah. And, and maybe tell the people who don't know you yet what you do. And then and what drives you? What do you mean you don't know who I am? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so simple version. We work with business coaches. We help them make money. That's kind of the, that's the, the simple version. If you're not a business coach, I'm going to be completely useless to you. If you are, it could be really helpful. Um, what drives me? Uh, honestly, the thing that... I, there's two parts to, our, to my work that I love. And one is the creativity of it. I just love figuring a problem out and creating a a solution, something that's, it's really weird. Like I don't, I don't paint or sculpt or any of that stuff. Like I feel like this is our art. Like I love the, the coming up with the, the, the idea, the conversation that turns into some scribbles on a page, which turns into a fully fleshed out thing. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. I'm down with that as well. Yeah. The art of it, I just like geek out on big time. And then um, I think anyone who's a coach just, you know, you get a chance to sort of live vicariously through your clients' wins. So, I, like, I just froth when seeing clients do cool stuff. Yeah. So, you would have been super excited when, oops, a little bit stressed, but excited when you couldn't go to LA and you had to, like, create. How did you How did you handle that situation? I was pumped about it. Yeah? Yeah. I was like, oh, crap, we're not going to do this. We're going to go online. And then then all of a sudden, all of the how do I, how do I, how do I's. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky. We've got a great team. Uh, particularly one guy, Mike, on our team, who's the guy who I do the art with, you know, the creation. And like, we just like nerded out and like, okay, well, normally we do this. Like, it was like, how do we translate as much of the in-person event across? And so there was content that needed to change because, you know, Corona, people were freaking out. So we needed to lead people through that. Uh, And then there was, yeah, the choreography or the, yeah, the really the kind of the design of a great event. I think like we run a, a really good live, but doing a an online live was like new. Yeah, I was just really excited. I love new, so yeah. new's good. Did you have any uh, stuff ups during that? It's like, oh, what what's happening? Like my my first uh, group coaching just before for our new program, the incubator. Yeah, we went live, and I the screen kept in inse- going into inception. Oh, I hate that. So yeah, the yeah. camera kept fl- repeating itself, repeating itself. I'm like, oh, off into the I? distance. Yeah, yeah like you're looking you, into a mirror. Into and a then mirror. you follow it, and you go down the rabbit hole, and you're like, oh my god, where's my screen going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we so had, do you have anything um, like that? What do we have? Uh, tech mostly worked. We wanted to put people into four different breakouts based on basically uh, part of our event. We run this thing called Sensei Sessions where we have like four clients who are doing great things, teach for eight minutes up front, go, here's how we do it. And then people can go to like, uh, to like a Q&A with that person to learn more for yeah. 45. Yeah. And uh, I was like, dude, if we do like Zoom breakouts, moving people into each of these rooms is going to be a punish. Like you've got like five minutes to move 200 people or whatever it is into like the right place. That feels annoying. Yeah. So we set up Zoom breakouts. Uh, we set up like four separate Zoom rooms and gave people the links. And that should have been smooth, but it turned out to be, turned out to be, yeah, not very smooth. Uh, somebody got into the, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why, but one of the, Three of the four worked seamlessly and one of them was run by someone who wasn't as techie and they couldn't get in. 
and then people like backed up coming back to the main room going, I can't get into the room and no one yeah, no one got the session. Yeah. What do you do in that situation like that? How do you react? Dude, I think you just you just laugh. Like you fix yeah. it and you just own it. It's like sorry, we fucked up. People are pretty <laughs> forgiving. Yeah. Uh, it's everyone's first time. They were like grateful that we could iron out all the kinks. One of the other changes we made was like on the first day we, we had like a normal live event. We have like a ninety minute session and then a 30 minute break and then 90 minutes and then an hour for lunch and then 90 minutes and then uh we shrunk the sessions for the like for day two three four we shrunk the session down like 50 minutes with a 10 minute break 50 minutes with a 10 minute break just to keep it a bit more peppy. the attention span is, isn't it like attention 50 minutes. span yeah turns out it probably wasn't as big a deal as it needed to be but the breaks didn't certainly didn't need to be half an hour or an hour mm. and then instead of giving people an hour for lunch we had an hour for lunch but we made it a working lunch so we ran our mastermind during lunch that worked pretty well Dude, I think it's just fun to... Could have done a cooking class. I could have. Everyone, I can't everyone get in dance. the kitchen. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get a chef, teach a lesson. Yeah we, to- yeah, we totally could have. <laughs> Except that all around the world, like it's breakfast for somebody and midnight snacks for somebody else. Eggs. You can eat eggs. eggs. Always Any eggs. Time. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's about all I can cook. Eggs and toast. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit embarrassing, but it's true. My kids are all better cooks than me and they're 11. The youngest. Anyway. So with, with your... What would you say some of the biggest challenges in your life through business and, and things like that have been for you? Um, Whether inside work or outside? Yeah, so... I think like a few years ago we had a... I was just a bit bored. Uh, not business, business was good. Actually, life was a bit vanilla, like a bit beige, you know? Like we had a good work year, it was fine. Clients were winning. Your numbers were good, but I felt it felt a bit stale. Maybe five years ago, life felt stale too. You know, like we comfortable life, da da da. Yeah. And I got some friends who have like pick a, a word for the year, like a theme. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I think I need more, more something, more adventure. It's a bit boring. And uh, so I told my wife, and we decided to have some more adventures. Um, yeah, we were in an interesting place ourselves. We were a bit flat. And uh, so we traveled a little bit, like we put in some uh, some physical adventures. You know, we went to, to Morocco and we went to Europe and we, and it was amazing. And I remember being back at, back at home, sitting at my local taco shop. And I, I was like, this is the, like, this was the best year ever. I don't know if we could ever possibly beat this. And my brain just said, what if you never came back? I was like, oh, oh that sounds fun. <laughs> so I got a, a sheet of paper and I drew a circle in the middle for Sydney because three times a year we've got to be back in Australia for these events. And so then I drew these like propellers, you know. And if we have to be back three times a year in between, we could like, we could adventure. And I was like, well, where would you go? Well, maybe one of the propellers could be the Americas, you know, North, South. One could be Asia, one could be Europe. I'm like, that sounds great. And then so we split it again, like Europe could be Italy, Spain, couldn't remember Scandinavia, so it was like Viking countries. And then, so like, I mean, it was challenged. The challenge was just bored, really. And yeah. so the fix was find a new sense of freedom and adventure. I think like, I think failure for, for me is less about, um, less about failure. Like we're always going to be fine, but it's more about like not really living. Mm. So with... Like, how old are your kids now? Two youngest are 11. Yeah. And Ethan's 19. He's, um, he's got CP, cerebral palsy and autism and epilepsy, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then the three older boys are mid to late 20s. One's 30. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the youngest plus Jotham, who's twenty five, I think. Jotham, if you're watching this and that's wrong, oops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Close enough. Yeah. It's gotta be close enough. Totally close enough. Um, <laughs> the three youngest travel with us all the time, and Jotham's with us about half the time. He does some video work with us. Plus, he just misses us when we're not around. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So for me, like, I've, I just realized this year, I was like, I want to create more memories for my family. Totally. And, and that sounds like what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I look back on my life and what I remember with my parents, and it was usually a trip. Yes, totally. Even if it was just... It's a new place. Yeah, only a couple of hours away and staying somewhere. That's what I remember. Yeah. It's like you, 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 you've got RAM in your brain, and when you delete something, for me, I don't know if you've ever nearly reached full on a computer, and you yep. just go through and just go delete everything. Yeah. It's like... You just grab all of that memory from zero to twelve when you lived in a certain house, and you go, mm, "Don't need that." Delete. Yeah, don't need that. Right? <laughs> it's like no. whole chunk. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, I think like holidays, like highs remember. and lows. Um, had a guy, Sean Fint, a great friend, uh, run something with Boardroom once where he gave everyone a sheet of uh, like flip chart paper, turned it sideways, and he got everyone to draw a line down the middle. And uh, like, like this, uh, that's the timeline of your life. So on the left, you'd put um, you know, year you were born or birth date. And yeah. then at the end is where you are right now. And then vertically was highs and lows of your life. And he had us like, what are the top five emotional high points and top five low points? And you just put the dots and then chart this like uh, almost like a heart, heartbeat, heartbeat thing. Yeah. And then so we had 10 minutes to, to figure out what they were and map it out and then 10 minutes each to teach it. And it was like one of the most moving like half days I spent in my life just listening to all of these clients' life stories. Yeah. But you're right. You remember the highs and you remember the lows. The middle's a bit, eh. Yeah. And so we try to, to um, obviously nobody loves the lows when you go through them, but we're just trying to, trying to pack as many highs as we can in. Yeah. So travel and adventure was a big part of it for us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what's it like with your son who's got cerebral palsy? It must have been really challenging. And someone that's listening might have, you know, their kids have something similar. Yeah. Like what was it like for you working through that with your wife and the family? Yeah. It was, um, fuck, it was hard. Uh, we knew something was wrong in, you know, while my wife was still pregnant. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't right. Um, so my wife was in hospital, I think, five or six weeks before Ethan was born. Uh, because it was just all out of whack, hey. And mm. then when he was born, I'm not good with babies. Like, I, um, when they can walk and talk, I'm like, I, like, I can be a good dad. But before that, it's like pooing and spewing. I'm not... Like, yeah, I was shit at that too. It's just hard. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe when we were just both shit, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I remember picking him up. He was in a, in a humidity crib. I picked him up and his ankle was really, like, tight. Like, you know, it wasn't floppy at all. It was like this. Flexed back. Yeah, yeah, it didn't flex. Like, that's weird. And I just noticed it. And like for a year and a half, we didn't know what it was. And then at a year and a half, they said he's got CP. And I remember that week talking to two friends. One was a mate of mine, Costa, who had a physical disability himself. And he just bawled his eyes out. Just wept, eh? We were down the park and he just like, oh. And he said, who do you blame? And I just remember going, what? That's a really weird, like, I don't blame anybody. And, and then, um, you know, one in, I think it's one in a hundred or one in a thousand kids get CP. So, mm. Certainly didn't blame it. That's a like, lot. That's a, a lot, lot, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I talked to another mate of mine, Carl, and we told him that, you know, one in a thousand kids get it. And he just, 
he just uh, lit up and he goes, how lucky is Ethan that out of all of the thousand parents he could have got, he got you guys. I was like, oh, that's how I'm thinking How's about this. How's the contrast? How's man? the contrast? Like oh. literally within like two days of each other. And I just latched onto that. And we figured out pretty early that Ethan's path was going to look different to everybody else's. And so there was like no point doing comparison. Yep. And uh, yeah, he was just going to run his race. And I think in a way, I'm a bit jealous of Eve because his stuff's on the outside. It's really easy to say, oh, Ethan's got CP, so his life's going to be a bit different. But like you or me or anyone who doesn't have an outside physical disability, you just like, you can't see. Everyone's got their own shit. Mm. And so I think it's allowed me to be a bit more, at my best anyway, I don't always remember, but a bit more understanding and like we've all got our own stuff. There's this old quote, you know, everyone's facing a battle you know nothing about. I think that's probably true. Yeah. What would you say is the hardest thing in your life that you had to overcome? So for me, it was, I would, I would say for me, it was starting business, university and having my first daughter at the same time, second business, daughter and university at the same time and the, the weight of the commitment there and realizing that I had to be a supporting yeah. husband and for once, yeah. like, you know, yeah. we were very independent people before that, my wife and I and 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 we had our daughter, we realized, oh, we have to work together, totally. like really together. Yeah. And, and that was the realization of that and trying to work that out. It's a really tough time with the other in, the other inputs coming from every direction, like the businesses. And yeah, man. End up like giving up university. That was good. My wife didn't want me to do it anyway. What were you studying? Uh, nutritional science. Yeah, right. Yeah. But um, had a passion in that, still do. And, but yeah, it wasn't the right time. And and the business, the second business, I closed that as well because yeah, what right. was important was my family and I made that. But love to hear what you're... Yeah, dude, we were... Um, we had um, two older boys and Ethan. Uh, one of my sons, Zachariah, was, I was at this job making 60 grand a year. Obviously, you give some to tax. And then my son was at this performing arts high school. Dance was his thing. 25 grand a year for this freaking school. It was like an amazing school and I desperately wanted him to be able to do it, but like we were just like bleeding money. We just didn't have enough money to live. Yeah. And uh, I remember- How old were you then? Uh, and I don't know. Uh, I'm not good with math, so. Eight. It was like early 2008. So 12 years ago. Yeah, so I'm 44, so 32, I guess. Yeah, so you still didn't have your business no, we started 2009. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been working with coaches since before then, but I was doing contract stuff and a few other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, dude, we, we, we had so little money that I remember chatting with a mate of mine, Sam, and he had to loan me 200 bucks to go to Coles and get supermarket, you know, like food. So I go to Coles and I get all this stuff and I come home and my, wife's got, my wife goes... Um, Babe, I've got some news. I'm like, oh, in my brain, I'm like, oh, I like news. And she goes, oh, you might want to sit down. And my brain goes, oh, sit down news is like never. <laughs> like there's news and there's sit down news and sit down news is never. I'm like, all right, so I sit down. So she looks in my eyes and she goes, babe, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, babe, that's fantastic. I'm so happy. And we hugged and then she leaves and I'm like, oh, fuck. Because like, we're all, yeah, yeah. You know, like it shouldn't be like, you're supposed to be happy. And I was just like, so freaked out. I was like, we're going to die. Like, I just can't do this and uh so i set a goal like i yeah i freaked out to be honest man i was like really so worried and i um 
So set a goal that by the time this baby was born, we had to be doing $8,000 a month or we'd be fucked. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I was doing like three jobs at the time, some speaking, some, uh, I don't even remember, speaking and consultancy, maybe some, yeah, marketing stuff, yeah. whatever. And uh, told my friend Grant what I was doing. I had, I'd worked in Action Coach helping as marketing manager. Uh, told my friend Grant who was, uh, somehow, I can't remember how it worked, but Grant introduced me to this guy, um, Peter Sun, who ran, what's it called, Better Business Institute, like a marketing license, you know, licensed marketing, not franchise, but that sort of yeah. gig. Yeah. Every Tuesday, this guy used to jump on, on a call and yell at his franchisees to do the work and make the calls, and then they didn't, and he'd have to do it again next week, and that was super frustrating. So we met, I'm like, maybe I could help out. Let's meet, he was in town. So we, went, we met at the Western, uh, and we, I remember we had we had lunch, and uh, remember I'm like broke as a joke, but of course because it's a business meeting, you like you sh- shout the guy lunch, and and he ordered a green tea and a turkey club sandwich, and I had water, <laughs> and uh, I just ate. I, yeah, I just ate. It was all right. <laughs> anyway, so we do this thing, and we arranged to, to that I'll do one of his Tuesday calls just to give him a break, you know. He leaves and I go to pick up the bill and the turkey club sandwich and a green tea was $42. I was like, what? I was like, I just remember, I was like, how is that even a thing? Turns out it's a thing. So I paid the freaking $42 and, and uh, jump on a, a few weeks later, like he goes, how do you want to do this thing? I was like, well, why don't we just do an interview? Because I didn't have any like content to teach. He goes, oh, that'd be great. Send me the questions. I'm like, oh, send me the questions. Okay, so how does, um, like I've never been interviewed before. So I just made a list of like the seven best client results we'd had. And then I wrote like seven questions that he could ask me that would let me sort of accidentally drop that story. Yeah, be able to tell the story. To make me look like a legend without going, hey, I'm a legend. Yeah. And uh, so we do this thing and it goes over really well and he's expecting me to sell and I don't because I'm shit scared of selling. Yeah. I feel terrified of money. So we hang up and he goes, Taki, that was amazing. How come you didn't sell anything? I was like, oh, I just didn't, you know, I don't know, man. I was like super nervous about it. Yeah. He goes, I really need you to really love it if you could sell something. Best thing anyone's ever got me to do. So I'm like, all right. So I wrote an email that he sent out to them the next day. And uh, it goes, um, sorry, this is a really long answer. I just realized. No, this is good. This uh, is a good story. People need a story. So he, um, I write this email and he sends it out and it goes, you know, I uh, don't know if you were on the call with Taki yesterday. It was amazing. He shared everything. It was really good. He shared everything except for one thing. He didn't tell you that his wife is heavily pregnant. Uh, doctors say baby could come any day now. And uh, so on Friday, I think this is on a... Call was on Tuesday. This must have been Wednesday. Uh, so he sends this out Wednesday morning. On Friday, he's closing his doors to new clients. And, uh, and uh, so if you want to work with him, now's your chance. Um, kind of bullet a list of how it works. And we were, it was like a $197 a month thing back then and I had like six clients or whatever it was and uh, anyway all you have to do is email him back you uh, email this email address your name and your phone number and he'll be in touch to work out the details I didn't have like a website or any way to get money yeah anyway so long story short after doing this 40 uh, like 70 minute call send out this email we had 48 new people reply and say hey that sounds great I'm in so I didn't have a way to get money so I just called them all you know, hey Greg it's Taki here from Thing 
I got a note here that says you want to do the thing. Is that right? And they're like, yep. I'm like, you do? Oh, I mean, of course you do. Of course, yeah, of course. You do. Here's, what, here's how it works. You still want to do it? Yes. Great. Let me get you into this, into the, you know, entered into the system, I'd say. And then I'd grab a Sharpie marker and I'd write down their credit card details because I didn't have a way to collect the money. Yet, but yeah. I, figured, I figured that out tonight. So I spent all day talking to the 48 people, getting them all signed up. That night I was Googling like how to process money on the wow. internet. Um, set up a shopping cart and a thing and got them all started the next day. And like that day we went, yeah, that day like changed my life. Yeah. Because we, um, you know, we, we were on our way and we were well over eight grand a month by the time baby was born. And uh, it all happened on one, you know, one webinar. It was kind of amazing. Well done, man. How good's that? And yeah. it's like out of that adversity and that real pain that you're feeling, you've like sprouted this awesome like business and yeah. business model and everything. Yeah. And now we get to help people all around the world do their, kind of their version of that. It's kind of, it's a little, so bit, good. little bit epic. Yeah, yeah, man. So tell me about like, I know so many people, even my staff at Response Electricians, like, yeah. they really struggle with what you did at that time is just to you know, tell someone that they need to spend their own money on yeah. something. Yeah. You know, even if it's a lot of value, like how did you develop that skill over time? Because I think that's really important for anyone that's, yeah. you know, because if you've got something to give and it's of value. Yeah, I was so shit at this, man. Like uh, I'd work with people and they'd pay me, I can't remember what that, like uh, whatever it was per month. And I'd do the work and I wouldn't send the invoice because I was scared of asking for the money. And then I'd do the work again next month and I wouldn't. So three or four months would bank up and then my wife would be like, babe, we need to, you know, where's the money? Yeah. So I finally, like when it hit like about to, about to explode point on the wife front, I'd send the invoices and then these clients who'd love the work, were happy to pay for it, would go, well, I can't do four months worth of payments. If you had to just send it month after month, it would have been, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I was just so fucking awkward about this thing. And then, so, um, I got good at marketing because I was scared of selling. And so I figured if I could market, then I wouldn't have to ask for the money, the marketing would do its job. Now, I'm in a really different headspace around it. And I think a lot of people are really scared to talk about how much something costs because they don't, they never think about how much it costs to not buy not the do thing. It. Yeah. And so now I'm just crystal clear that if, in my world, if someone's a business coach and they're not working with us, minimum it's gonna cost them thirty to $60,000 a month in like lost money every single month to not do this and you'd be a freaking idiot not to do that. Uh, that's in my world. So whoever's watching or listening to this, like how much does it cost to not work with you? That's a much better question to ask because mm. People pay for value. And um, if you can be really clear about like, what's the best result you ever got a client? What were the spin-off benefits of that? Like, were they more confident? What else got better? As it, like, were they able, like, were, you know, were they able to hire a nanny or, or a cook or travel or help their kids or put their kids in a bit? Like, what are the spin-off benefits? And then how much of that is relevant to 80% of the people you work with? That, like, that's what it costs not to work with you. Yeah. And that's a ton more than what you, what you charge and you're hurting people to not give them the chance to get help, you know? Yeah, totally. I think that's across all industries as well, like in totally. the construction industry. The big reason why builders can't pay the last bill when they want to get paid is because all of those contractors don't submit their last bill until the last bill is due. Yeah. All of them, all the trays at once. And one of the big things I teach in the electrical academy is periodical payment, like invoices. You've got right. to do it. And it's easy for the builder to pay them as they go and you get to the end and they've got this huge bill. And if they go out, at least you got paid for 90% of it. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. It's big. Yeah, like, it's huge. People. Yeah, got to get good at asking for the money. Um, I was at an event with this guy called Shep Gordon. I don't know if you know Shep. There's a Netflix show called Ubermensch. He was like, um, 
he was the manager to like a bunch of rock and roll stars. Like he's like super famous, very, very connected. Yeah, right. And his, he said, I figured out my job was uh, threefold. Uh, get the money. Always remember to get the money. Always remember to never forget to get the money. <laughs> you know, so he like, because the stars would be out doing their thing and they'd be hopeless with their cash. That was his job. And I think somebody in your world, like if you're good at it, amazing. If, if, you've, if someone else in your world is good at it, have them be the, always remember to never forget to get the money. Yeah. Uh, and if not, get good at it yourself because, dude, it's a sign of respect for yourself as much as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what's in the horizon for you? What are you planning on next? <laughs> well, dude, I'd love to say back to travel. We've been yeah. traveling for three or four years until someone in China. Is that since back. you did the, yeah. the loops? Wow, so it's been three or four years of doing that. Yeah. How's that changed your life since doing that that different model? It's been the best thing ever. Yeah. Bloody hard. Like um, when we're in Europe, an 8 a.m. Sydney webinar is midnight. We used to do like an eight and a 10, which would be midnight and 2 a.m. Italy time. Hard, yeah, but you could do that safer than that. Like, yeah, it sucked every you know every couple of weeks. But you wake up and you're on the Amalfi Coast and you go for a swim in the ocean. And you're like, oh, that was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So basically, we drew the plan. Uh, about two or three months later, we'd uh, we didn't pack up the house. We just continued to pay rent. You know, pay for the house. Mum and friends used it as a crash pad. Um, yeah, we had like three and a half, maybe four almost four years of nomad. Um, and that's with your kids? Yeah. How did the kids go like with schooling and stuff? Uh, we just did online school. Yeah. Uh, I had a, we had a teacher slash nanny travel with us for the first year and a half. Um, she was amazing. Until one day we were, we were heading to Bora Bora in Tahiti and she was flying back to Sydney with the kids and uh, she'd overstayed her visa. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh my God, man. <laughs> yeah, so plane lands. All kids go through security. Uh, luckily, my oldest son was there as well. She gets tapped on the shoulder, pulled into the interrogation room. All the kids are out the other side of security going, where's Vera? Oh, no. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, put on a plane with a security guard back to Holland. Never seen, well, not never seen again. We've seen her a couple of times in Holland, but yeah, not, not allowed back in the country for, oh, for three years. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, my wife and I are off for like a, a um, anniversary honeymoon thing in Bora Bora for 10 days. And uh, yeah, that was a bit shit. That was oh. not an easy time. Is that pretty standard that happens on honeymoons? Like for, for me, it was, we got to our, we had a month booked off. And when we got to our wedding, the day after we got there of the whole month, yeah, got a phone call from our main guy running the operation back in Perth. He's like, Sorry, man, I have to go back to New Zealand. My mum's really sick. I've, I've just got to go. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, hang on. I'm supposed to be having fun not thinking about you guys for <laughs> yeah. a month. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's common or not, but it was it was tricky. So how do you plan out where you're going to go? Like the vision, this is probably like, how do you plan out anything? How do you visual? I'm uh, Visualize it. Yeah, I'm not a logist. I'm not a logistics guy. Like, Five minutes of scribbles at a taco shop was plenty of detail for me. Kira Marie on the life side and other people in the business side, their job's to like figure out the how. Here's my scribble. Yeah, here's my scribble. <laughs> that literally my whole job is here's my scribble. Uh, so for 
I've had a, a computer now for three months. Um, halfway through the trip, my um, we're in Sri Lanka and my my computer died. Uh, we're in the jungles of Sri Lanka. I was like, ah, oh, that's going to be a bit uncomfortable. Uh, so I ditched the laptop. I figured I've got an iPad and a phone. I'll be fine. And then we went from there to the Philippines. And uh, my, my daughter and I were watching YouTube videos down the beach one day about how the iPhone 10 was waterproof. I'm like, awesome. So we jumped in the pool and you know, making a video. 10 seconds later, the screen goes black. Oh, like, no. Turns out they lied. It's totally not what. I'm like, all right, well, I've got, a, I've got a webinar tomorrow night. I can run it on the iPad. I'll be okay. And uh, so then I'm watching something on Netflix on my iPad. I get a bit snackish. I'm like, the, the hotel's got a snack shop. I'm going to go get some Toblerone. I'm on the way back with a Toblerone. I've got the, like the, this big kind of triangle of happiness. Watching a movie. Fumble my key, trying to swipe the door. So I drop the, drop the key and my iPad. No, drop the, uh, the iPad and the Toblerone. And in a split second, I rescued the Toblerone <laughs> and smashed my iPad. So now I've got no, no gadgets. And uh, that was dumb. Anyway, I managed to find a, an iPad, like a, a gadget shop. But since then, I've had a phone and an iPad run, run a whole business, traveling all around with a, an iPad and a phone on a stick. And then just for this last event, in March, bought a computer again. So it's been really good just getting back to like my two superpowers are talking and drawing. Like you talk on a phone and you draw on an iPad. So you got an Apple Pencil mm -hmm. and you just do a lot of, is that how you do a lot of your planning? All of my stuff is yeah. like just sketch and then send it to the relevant person and they can go make it, cool. make it turn it into a thing. Awesome. It's, it's liberating, man. Yeah. Planning through drawing. Yeah, like everything. Do you do like mind mapping as well? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I might map it a bit. I don't use the software for it. I just scribble. Yeah. And then, you know, with an Apple Pencil, you can diagonally swipe and it screenshots. And then I just like share that to whoever. It's liberating. Just like cool. my... Got a friend, Dean Jackson, who, um, who, who gave me this challenge. This isn't his words, but imagine if you didn't have opposable thumbs. So you can basically... Anything that you could do with mittens... That's allowed, but if it involves fingers, not allowed. And so my whole business is run off mittens in a weird sort of a way. You know what I mean? Like I can scribble. The mitten model. Yeah, it's the mitten model. <laughs> uh, he calls it the moo model. Uh, like you think about yourself like a cow. You've got yeah. hoofs. Yeah, right. It's weird, but anyway. Um, more than we've got time to talk about. But uh, I think that's magic. It, like it, it, If you're operating in your sweet spot, there's almost nothing that can stop you. And we fuck businesses up and we fuck life up when we get out of our genius zone mm. and we start doing, yeah, we start doing things that we shouldn't be or doing. Too much work. Yeah, it takes up all your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go, uh, if you think about what are your power verbs, like the things that you can do without really thinking, like at a moment's notice, I'm ready to talk, I'm ready to brainstorm, I'm ready to map out. That's like my three power verbs. Um, if you said, hey, Taki, can we, can we get together and brainstorm? I'm like, yes, doesn't matter what the topic is. But if it's like plan or, you know, systemize or like those are verbs which are, they're not fun for me, right. Yeah. Uh, so I've just like figured out what I'm good at and anything that isn't that I try to not. Yeah. Makes for a happy life. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I know you got to shoot. Yeah. So thank you for your time, man. Dude, thanks for having me. It's fun. I appreciate five, that. Man. Cheers. I wasn't sure if we were going one of those or one of those. We I apologize both. for fucking up the high five. That's totally right. <laughs> Let's try again. Yep. Thanks, right. man. Legend. Thanks, dude.